living on the road. For some people, it's the dream. It's the goal. For some people, it's not the goal. That's the beauty of the different ways people are wired. But if you are interested in that lifestyle, is it possible for you? What if it doesn't look like you have the circumstances? What if you, for example, are a college dropout that started their life without running water? English is your second language. And actually, you were born homeless. Today, we have that very person on the show to inspire you to keep that dream alive. With music from Cody Crab, writing by Nicole Mello, I'm Hayden Lee. This is Travel Stories Podcast. Today's guest is Frank Salas, serial entrepreneur and digital nomad. Not unlike the protagonist in a superhero movie, he has transformed himself from his humble beginnings into the person you're meeting today, operating under the moniker, the talented Mr. Salas. Frank, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you so much for having me. No worries at all, man. No worries at all. I've got to say, I've been so excited about this interview. Since we first connected, I've been so excited about it. Every message we've had back and forth is like, man, I can't wait for this. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I'm so excited, man. Yeah, I'm excited too. And I checked out your show and you guys are just a cut above the rest. Your music got me hooked immediately. I was like, okay, these guys are for real. And just the guests that you have on, you do a great job for your audience, man. Thank you for doing what you do. <laughs> Thanks very much, man. I'll let Cody know that someone else appreciates his music, man. How good are the compositions that he makes, man? That guy is so good. I kind of want him to do like my next intro video, like, hi, I'm Frank Salas. And I, I would just buy it just off the music alone. Like, yeah, he's probably legit. <laughs> yeah, man. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Now, there was a message this morning between the two of us where you said, all I have to do today is finish a sales page, work out at the beach, and chat with you. Man, what a message to send. What a day. <laughs> you know, someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it, and I, I can be that guy. <laughs> yeah, you'll, uh, you'll take the strain. You'll, uh, you'll take one for the team, and you can do that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. So you're a digital nomad, right? So you, you have your business and you go all around the world. You can go wherever you want and you can, like, I'm telling you like you don't know, and you can go and do whatever you want. You're not restricted by location, right? So when did you first get this idea of like being a digital nomad? When did you first hear about people doing it? So I have multiple businesses and I have a real estate practice in the great state of Texas in America. And I'm very successful at that. It's, you know, been such a blessing for me, my family, my employees, everybody around me, uh, my broker, especially is making a killing off my cuts. Um, so, you know, I was doing great and having a great time in a really cool town of Austin, Texas, but I was also on social media and helping people with their social media. And I have a social media consulting business. And a lot of my friends who were going to the speaking gigs and doing this, they were always in different places. And at first I was like, oh yeah, but they only do social media and I make more money than them. I happen to be in an industry where we sell million dollar homes or million dollar tracts of land or in Texas, multi-million dollar tracts of farm and agriculture. It just happens. And it keeps me, you know, very comfortable. But I was like, I can't just be in this one town, even though it's super awesome. Austin, Texas has all the festivals. I just can't be here all the time. I want something different. And this was, I was having these thoughts in uh, spring of 2015. 
Um, you know, summer of 2015, I was just selling houses, doing great in my real estate practice. But then I put on my calendar on October 1st of 2015 that I was going to go all in on social media, becoming an influencer and living the digital nomad lifestyle. I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know what it was like. I didn't know anything like that, but I just was going to commit to that because, you know, I'm uh, 29 now, 28 at the time. And I decided that I was going to see the world. I had to see it. So I put on my calendar October 1st, I just wrote down social media thing. And I just started doing the social media thing. And sure enough, my first month on social media, I made five figures. I was helping people in many different ways. And I was like, man, this is easy. I don't know what these guys are talking about. Then I went to uh, a conference, the Periscope Summit in uh, San Francisco in January of 2016. But just before I left that year for my New Year's resolution of this year, 2016, it's December 7, 2016, at the time of this recording, I was like, you know, I'm going to commit to this. And a lot of people say, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be this. I went up and I straight up took my car and I sold it. So I'm a real estate professional who no longer has a car, a vehicle. And I have to drive people around and show them property. That's, for some people, a problem. For me, it was a challenge. And I had to figure out that challenge. Then I just booked a ticket to the Philippines where I, have, I had I've been outsourcing to the Philippines since uh, 2008 for my, since my very first business. And I've never actually been there. I've even had businesses incorporated there, but I've never physically been there because I was stuck in Austin selling real estate, you know, being, doing that, being really good at that. So I went out there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to be in the Philippines for four months. So from January uh, to April, I was in the Philippines and just trying new foods, going island hopping, just living an amazing lifestyle. I was telling Hayden before uh, the podcast that I like to go where they treat me best. And they treat me like a superstar in the Philippines all the way around. But I still had a real estate business. I still had a fashion business. I still had all this, the, all these other businesses. And my challenge, not my problem, my challenge, my opportunity to scale up was, okay, how can I still run a successful business in real estate in Texas, even though I'm not there? So I use my lead generation strategies, amp those up with my virtual assistants in the Philippines and my offshore operations there to now start building leads on autopilot. And I had, I had been doing this, but I really just ramped this up. I was actually making more money, not showing any homes at all by generating leads and referring these leads to realtors. By the way, I'm not a broker in the state of Texas. You have to have a license for four years. I'm only three and a half years in right now at the time of this recording. So I'm not necessarily doing anything illegal or shady, but I'm kind of tippy-toeing around the lines, if you will. And that resourcefulness and that skill is something that has allowed me to live that digital nomad lifestyle. Um, after that, I came back to Austin for the month of April all the way to August. And then in August, in the heat of the, the literal heat, 100 degree weather heat in Texas uh, of, of the real estate season, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of tired of selling homes. I don't really want to do this anymore. I can't wait to be a broker. I'm going to leave. So I decided to throw a conference in Las Vegas in August. And I sold tickets that people flew from all over the world. I even had a lady come in from Germany to come see me speak about social media, outsourcing, just, you know, digital nomad lifestyle, all that. And then after that, I was like, you know what? That was cool. I'm going to go back to the Philippines. So I went back to the Philippines. And for three months, 
I went island hopping. If you don't know the Philippines, uh, number one, one U.S. American dollar is 50 Filipino pesos over there. And you can live like a king for very, very, very little. So I was island hopping all the time, going to different places. And my job for three months was to island hop and record uh, videos for my YouTube channel, for my digital courses, uh, to consult with my clients. And then my, at that point, my leads were on autopilot. I had people in place in my real estate practice. So I was running my real estate business. I was working my fashion line. We just broke into seven different international markets. So man, things have been going phenomenal. And it's all because I decided that I was tired of being comfortable. And a lot of people, you know, tell me, well, I make six figures. And if they tell me that, like, well, do you have a job? They're like, yeah, well, if you have a six figure job, then you have six-figure golden handcuffs. And those handcuffs probably, now there's some people who do work remotely, but those six-figure handcuffs, golden handcuffs, probably keep you attached to a desk, to an office, to a city. And then even further, now we're getting real, to a you know 1,500 to 3,000 square foot home that is probably too big for you, to a 50 to $75,000 car that you bought to keep up with your neighbor. And, and it just keeps going on from that and on and on and on and on. But if you just really did without, which is the next step for me, is I sold all my stuff. Like I was living in condos and had the skylines and had all this and that and had a beautiful view of Austin, Texas and a downtown condo. But at the end of the day, I was still looking at the same view. And now I sold all my stuff in my home and I even sold my properties and rented them out on Airbnb, the ones that I didn't sell. And now I live off of Uber and Airbnb. So at this moment, I'm in Cancun right now, living in a very local neighborhood for 15 bucks a night. Actually, I got it for less than that because I got a, a month discount. So it's like 11 bucks a night, super local, and it's great. They got Wi-Fi, and that's all that I need. So that's you know, a, a kind of an intro into a little bit of my lifestyle. Man, that's amazing. Now, I want to flip back to something you were saying about you put it on the calendar. You made a resolution to make this thing happen, and you also sold your car, and that was a big a big thing to push yourself to make this happen, right? So it's a lot like the phrase, throwing the backpack over the fence, you know, the, the meaning being if you want to get over that fence, the first thing to do is throw your backpack over there because then you know you have to get over there. So if we were to relate this back to travel, right, say someone they've never traveled before and they really want to get out there and go, but they're, they're thinking, well, I've got to save up, well, I've got to, you know, they're a bit apprehensive about it and they really want to do it. So how important would you say is like this throwing the backpack over the fence, this selling the car, this putting it on the calendar and making it so that you can't not do it? How important is that? And if you are someone that's just getting into travel and maybe taking their first trip, what would you be thinking in that moment? How would you force yourself to make it happen? First and foremost, commit first and figure out the rest later. That's for my good buddy and fellow influencer, Mr. Grant Cardone, Mr. 10X. If you commit to the travel life or even taking a few more trips, maybe, maybe you have a job and you're just like, you know, I just want to travel more. If you just commit and put that on your calendar, buy the ticket. That's the first thing. Buy the ticket. When you got the ticket, you spent your hard-earned money on that ticket, and now there's a date. And as human beings, we're all lazy. We're all procrastinating. I'm one of the most motivated guys and energetic guys that I know. It's I've been up since three o'clock in the morning and it's uh, six o'clock in the morning here and we're doing a podcast. Like, Even so, I wait to the last minute to get my visa in order. I wait to the last minute to pack. And Hayden's laughing because he does the same thing. It's human <laughs> it's nature. It's so true. It's human nature. So first off, book it. 
make it real. Give it a date. Just like I gave it a date. October 1st, I'm going to do the social media thing. In January, I'm selling my car. I'm going to the Philippines for four months. I'm, I'm pushing my boundaries. And honestly, Hayden, I was just comfortable. I was like, yeah, I'm making a great living off, off, of, uh, off of real estate and things are going good, but I'm not challenged. I'm not experiencing new things. I'm freaking bored. I've done everything in this town. I've been to every bar. I've been to every condo. I've been on every boat party. I've been to every lake. I've been to all the hiking spots. I'm bored. There's, there's so much world out there. And I've seen all my friends on Instagram and Facebook going to these places and taking selfies. And I want selfies. And I want likes. And I want comments. You know? That's the truth. Just being honest. And so that's, that's where, that's where it, it kind of came from for me. So make it real. Put it on the calendar, but buy the ticket. When you buy the ticket, now it's for real. Now you got to go to get your passport and, and go from there. So that's what I would advise people. And always when you're packing, man, I'm, I'm kind of a self-proclaimed fashionista. I'm in the fashion business. So I overpacked and I overpacked for the wrong climate. Mm, interesting stuff, man. Real interesting stuff. And I want to go back to something you said about comfortability. Like people in their lives are, are comfortable. They've got their place, they've got their car, they've got their work that they go to every day and they're feeling comfortable about it. And I remember when I was about like, I think I was eight or nine or something like that. I, I asked my mom, I said, can like, why do these people go to work every day and then come back every day and then not do much else and only have the weekend? I, I obviously didn't ask it in that way. I was like eight years old, but I asked, <laughs> I asked something like that. And she said, well, you know, some people enjoy that life and i said why and they and she said well they like the comfortability of it there's no danger there's no possibility that a lot really could go wrong so that comfortability makes them feel comfortable obviously and and that's what they kind of enjoy about it and i didn't believe her then and i still don't believe it now <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know how i don't know how people can have that comfortability and be okay with that and i wonder as to whether it's the it's the anxiety of going outside of that comfort zone and whether they know that life is outside the comfort zone, but it's the anxiety of it or whether they're suppressing that. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Hayden, and I have a theory. It's because you have people like me that you conversate with and people like Tim Ferriss and John Lee Dumas and all the amazing guests that you have here on your travel podcast. And it's it's just like when you're around those people the other world, the other side, quote unquote, doesn't make sense. But if you're like most people, the majority of people, the number one most addicting thing on the entire planet is a paycheck. Number two is heroin. Heroin is less addictive than a paycheck. Because think about it. Every two weeks or every week or every 15th or every first, guess what? Somebody says, here you go. Here's your money that you can live off of. And if you're living comfortable, you're like, yeah, I can go to the movies and I can pay for Netflix and I can pay for Wi-Fi and I don't have to struggle or suffer for this or, you know, decide which bills I have to pay and blah, blah, blah. And I'm comfortable. And the pain of leaving that comfort for most people is far greater than the pleasure of experiencing new cultures, new food, self-discovery really finding out a lot about how the way the world truly works. I promise you the first time that you leave your little bubble, it could be to a different state. It could be to a different city. It could be especially be to a different country or different nation, especially one that's less developed than yours. When you come back, you will see things completely, utterly differently. It's just, it's just like the basic things like cell phone coverage, Wi-Fi, uh, traffic lights, uh, emergency services, drinking water, you know, just like the smallest things you're just grateful for. And most people, you just look at them and this is all over the world. You look at people all over the world and they just have like this 
scowl, this like, you know, screw life. I'm just do, I'm just, I'm just going to show up. And you do that enough, you look at yourself enough times in the year, day after day, you're going to be in the same spot. You might, you might have some wrinkles. You might have some gray hairs. I found my first gray hair in my eyebrow the other day here in Cancun. And I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm going to die. You know? But we are going to die, man. I'm 29 years old. I'm going to die soon. You know, maybe not soon, maybe, maybe in a long time. I don't know. But all I know is that when I'm on my deathbed, now this is just me talking Frank Salas, the talented Mr. Salas. You know, this is me talking, Hayden. This isn't me speaking for anybody else. It's me talking. When I'm on my deathbed, when I'm taking my last breath, I want to go out and I want to flirt with all the cute nurses that are taking care of me and just tell them about my travels. I want to tell them about my adventures. I want to just, you know, make them laugh, make them giggle, maybe hook them up with my son or my grandson at that point. I don't know, you know, but that's the kind of death experience that I want to have. Man, having talked to you for, for this long now, I know that's what you will be doing. <laughs> I don't doubt it <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, man. Now, we get a lot of questions about how to fund travel. You know, people are, people are working, people are saving. And you're probably the best person to talk to about this. Now, I do want to ask you all these questions about it. However, I would love to get to your story because you told me a little bit about it before we started, and I'm so excited. So if you could give a name to your story today, what would you call it? Guys, if I could give a name to my story, this just happened last week, by the way, I would call this the Cancun kidnapping scare. I was literally, I've never been more scared and terrified than, than last Thursday of this, of, uh, of this month. Nice. Well, I'm super looking forward to it. So you're listening to the Travel Stories podcast, and this is Frank Salas with the Cancun kidnapping scare. Cancun, Mexico, 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 arriba la raza, como están todos? I love Mexico, man. I'm a Mexican myself. I love my culture. I love everything. And I wanted to come experience my land, mi tierra, my area. But when I got here, things were just different. I'm from Texas and Texas is very close to Mexico, but there's a lot of differences. People talk faster Spanish. Uh, people have different slang. There are different cultures. It's just different. A few of those differences really freaked me out. So I, I was going around, going to the beaches, going to the bars, going to whatever, going to the coffee shops, doing some shopping, and just doing all the touristy stuff, having a great look in Cancun. You know, somewhere through my travels, I decided that I wanted to go home, and I get into this taxi. I just wave my hand. In the middle of the street, I pick up a taxi just like I would anywhere else. I get into the taxi. The guy's like, where are you going? I tell him where I'm going. He's like, all right, cool. So I get relaxed. And maybe about three to four minutes within the ride, he locks the doors. And then he pulls out a walkie-talkie and says, I got him. At this point, man, the world just stopped. I look to my left and I look to my right. And both of those people, the, both of those drivers in those cars looked at me and they both had walkie talkies as well. I freaked out. I just started making super casual conversation to kind of figure this guy out. And this guy wouldn't take his eyes off me because I was acting weird. I was like, trying to open the doors, trying to roll, roll down the windows and trying to be real cool about things, but trying to find a way out of this vehicle because 
In my mind, I thought I was being kidnapped. I thought that they had followed me, they'd spotted me, I'm a foreigner, I don't speak their Spanish, they, they might think that I'm rich, I don't know. So then I pulled out my phone and I tried to call my Airbnb host. And as soon as I did that, my call failed. Well, then I really freaked out because immediately I was like, oh my God, they're blocking my phone. How did they get my phone number? And then I realized the taxi that took me, that picked me up from my home in the morning, he had asked me for my phone number so he could text me a few of the hiking spots that I was asking him. And that's how he got my phone. So at this point I was sweating bullets, I was freaking out, I was just so nervous. I have a second phone, thankfully, and I pulled it out and I called my mom. You know, it was in my backpack and I didn't want them to know that I had a different phone, so I kept it in there. And she's like, hello, 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 and she hung up. Then I called her again. She knew something was up because she stayed on the line. And I started making super casual conversation about, you know, what I was wearing, where I was going, where I'd been, where I was staying, the name of my host, the taxi number, the taxi numbers next to us, uh, what direction we were headed, and you know, all this stuff. And my mom was still on the line. She knew something was up. We get to a red light, and I don't know what just happened, but I take some cash, and I throw it on the floor, and I bust out of the door. Like, the door was like, kind of janky and I just like broke it open and I started running real fast and the guy gets out of the car and he starts yelling at me and he's like hey what about my cable because he let me borrow a cable uh, to charge my phone so you know I'm a nice guy and I come back and I try to give this guy his cable back but instead of getting close to him so he so he, he doesn't grab me I throw it at him this guy gets in his car, he starts chasing me around, he starts driving around, he's pointing at me, he says, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. And at this point, I'm losing, I'm telling my mom to call the cops. You know, we've got the extended family on the line. She's bought a plane ticket. She's like, get to the airport now. We've got you a plane ticket. All you gotta do is get to the airport. And I'm just running around on this main street and this guy won't leave me alone. I'm going down back alleys, he's following me. There's all these taxis all over the place. I've never seen so many taxis in my head. I thought everybody was looking to pick me up and kidnap me. And I was just freaking out. I ended up jumping over some fences, climbing on some rooftops, ended up getting to a super you know, small restaurant, hiding behind a little pillar, hiding behind a menu, getting on the Wi-Fi. And I called up my Airbnb host to pick me up. Cause she's the only person that I trusted. I didn't know anybody else. And she comes up with her mom and she's like, looks at me terrified. I tell the story and then she tells me this. She says, Frank, you're crazy. All taxis in Cancun have walkie talkies. The reason they have walkie talkies is because they have to check in with the main base to let them know that they have arrived. And at that point, I breathe, I breathe a sigh of relief. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm not getting kidnapped. I'm alive. No one wants to cut my fingers off and send them to my parents. It was just a sigh of relief. And my mom at this point was like crying. Every, my, my little sister was on the phone. She was upset. 
Everybody in my family, they posted up in the face, the group Facebook message that Frank had been kidnapped. They had organized a search party in Cancun with our extended relatives that were in the area that were on their way to drive to Cancun to come look for me. It was not a good look. It was not a good look at all. But that terror right there made it real for me. And that was an adventure that I have. And now I have this awesome story to share. And that's the best thing about traveling, guys. When you travel, you're going to be able to have these kinds of stories to be able to share for the rest of your life. <laughs> that was Frank Salas with the Cancun kidnapping scare. Man, that was so cool. <laughs> I really enjoyed listening to that, man. And something that really jumped out at me was you were so, you, well, you seemed so cool and calm externally, you know? I mean, inside, it, you may have been panicking, but externally, you know, we've been talking about this recently. Like, how how do you think you create and kind of maintain this ability to keep calm in these situations? I mean, even if it is just externally, like some people would freak out in that situation, not, not know what to do and just freeze. How did you How did you combat that? Yeah, you know, I straight up did freak out. At one point, I was full on sprinting down the street and I could feel my heart pounding out of my chest. And I just had to tell myself, okay, what are your surroundings? Where are you? Who's looking at you? Who can help you? And I was even walking towards people and asking for them for their help. But because I was so animated and so nervous, I had been sweating. You know, I just looked like the shady guy who maybe was on something and it was crazy and just like a, a beggar or a crazy travel tourist or something. They didn't help me. And I would even hand my my you know, the phone to these people and say, hey, this is my mom. Please talk to her and please get me a way out of here. I'm, I'm being followed by this guy and that and I'd point at the taxi driver and he would be pointing at me and like, you know, saying all these bad things in Spanish and uh, and they would just not want any part of it. So it was like everybody was against me. Everybody was in on it. But I had to at a certain point say, OK, what are your surroundings? Who's around you? Where can you go? What can you do? How can you take control of the situation? Because if you're at my, in my mind, I was going to die. In my mind, I was like, if you don't take advantage of this or if you don't take control of the situation right now, you're going to freaking die. So relax, use your resources, uh, use your training. I even said this, use your training. I don't have any training, but I always heard that in the movies. So I just said that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> nice, man. And, and you, well, it would have been a tragedy if anything had happened then, because then you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been on your deathbed flirting with the cute nurses, you know, and that would have been a tragedy. That would be a tragedy, man. But now I've got this story to, you know, make them laugh and then be like, you know what? My grandson likes to travel. You should meet him. And then boom, now, now I'm going, I'm going out the game, but I'm leaving somebody with an assist. And that's how I want to play the game. Yes. Leaving somebody with an assist. That's amazing, man. That's amazing. Now I want to go back to what I was saying before about funding travel. Now there's a lot of people who save for travel. We had someone on the show in season one, I believe, who saved for about nine months each year, you know, working 20 hour shifts at McDonald's and doing all this stuff to save all this money for the three months of travel. And that was kind of, she had a lot of a lot of pride in that. And I really respected her way of doing it. It was putting your nose to the grindstone and getting it done in a kind of an old school fashion in a way. But there's obviously that saving aspect. There's the four hour work week type of, uh, type of theories and aspects that come through when you read it the first time and you think, right, this is, this is the way to do it. This is how I'm going to get it all sorted. But in 2016, where can people, and you're the best person to ask for this, where can people start the shift to properly funding themselves on the road? See, you know, I definitely admire somebody who can definitely put that time nine, nine months to save and take this 20 hour job and this kind of stuff. Like I'm not an employee. 
I'm an entrepreneur. I've dropped out of college my senior year to start my first business at the age of 20, and I haven't looked back since. So you're speaking to somebody from my perspective, and that's only my perspective that I want to convey, is I'm an entrepreneur. I would never take a job. Never, never, never. I'd rather die than take a job. Um, so from my school of thought, I would tell you straight up for anybody, entrepreneur, employee, kid, college kid, whatever, the phone that you're probably listening to this on right now is probably worth a few hundred dollars. And you could sell that downgrade to a lower quality phone that could buy your plane ticket. You probably, if you rent or if you own a house, you could put it on Airbnb. And now you can rent out your uh, property and make some money. Another thing is that there's even apps like Turo, T-U-R-O, and there's a few other ones where you can actually rent your car out to people. And now you can generate revenue through that. Another thing you can do is you can start to sell all the crap around you. You probably have old laptops old cell phones, old speakers, old TVs, all these things that just don't serve you, that are taking up space, old furniture, sell that. And guess what? Now you have some money. And with that, and you can put that up on Craigslist. There's so many other apps you can do that. Now with that, you know, you might end up with a few, let's say you end up with less than a thousand dollars. Let's say you end up with $900. Guess what? You can buy a plane ticket to most places for under 500 bucks if you're flexible. And if you use something very simple like Google Flights, it's google.com forward slash flights, you can see, okay, if I leave on this day, the plane ticket's 600 bucks. But if I leave on this day, the plane ticket's 250. You know, I got, a pl- I got a round trip ticket to Cancun where I'm at right now for $250 uh, round trip with checked bags uh, from Dallas, Fort Worth to Cancun uh, for 250 my trips to the Philippines are anywhere from four to $600, depending on the season. Um, and that's round trip to freaking the Philippines, guys. So now you have that. Now let's keep it real. Once you get there, you can jump on Airbnb, download the app Airbnb, and you can look up uh, very local neighborhoods and you can live there for super cheap. Realistically, anywhere from 10 to $20 per night and still go out and eat. And you know, eating and living you know, very moderately and very locally um, you might drop an extra 10 bucks a day, maybe. So it's not that big of an expense. And there's just a few different ways for you to start funding your travels. But taking a step further, if you want to make this sustainable and long-term, everybody is flocking to social media. And there's so many different ways that you can make money online, specifically through social media, podcasting, affiliates, creating digital courses. I have some digital programs and products on real estate, social media, outsourcing. I even have a digital product on emojis. Guys, people pay for my course on emojis on how to use them in their business. And this just gets money coming in. When I wake up, and and, and I, I used to hear this all the time when I was selling real estate, which got me interested, but I just didn't believe it. When I wake up, my PayPal says, you've got money. And it's substantial. You know, It's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's definitely funding my travels. But when I heard other people say that on shows like this, over a year ago, a little over a year ago, I was like, BS, no way. The, no, these guys are trying to sell me something and I don't buy it. It's true. They're, think about it. Everybody has their phone in their hand all the time. And if you can get their attention, which is the first step, and if you can give them value, which is the second step, and if you can get them to feel very strongly, which is the third step, and then the fourth step, if you can get them to make that purchasing decision, usually it takes time. Like somebody, let's say uh, Hayden had a uh, a podcast course, or let's say you had a digital nomad lifestyle academy or something like that, you probably would listen to 10 to 20 interviews, maybe more, 
maybe less, but on average, 10 to 20 uh, on these types of experiences. And you're like, you know what? I'm in. I'm ready to go. I've heard enough. And I'm tired of guys like Frank Salas and Hayden Lee talking about their travel lifestyle. I'm ready to go. I want to put myself on. I want to you know, have these stories to tell on my deathbed and flirt with cute nurses and or whatever it is that looks like for you. That's just for me. You know, then they make that decision and they're called picking up the phone or they're sending an email or even better. They're going to to our websites. They're clicking by and they're purchasing value in exchange for a potential experience that they may be able to have. Now, that's just one very specific example, but if you want that pleasure of new experiences and travel, then do it because I promise you the pain is surmountable, the pain is passable, and you can change your life, and if you do it right, you can change the life of everybody around you. Yes, man, amazing. And I tell you, it's truly amazing how, uh, not cheap, but how, well, yeah, how much more, how much cheaper it can be to live in a different country and living and traveling and living even on the road and traveling from place to place that can be so much cheaper than if you're living in say the US or the UK where you've got your rent you've got your council tax you've got all these other things you take those away you could put yourself on the road all you're spending is you know you're not spending a lot on accommodation and food and then you've just got flights and stuff like that it can even be cheaper but then i guess the thing is making that consistent um, that consistent money coming in because you won't have the job that you've left in order to go on the road so i want to leave people with something now we never do we, we rarely do actionable items on this it's, it's not really we never really do that however in this case because i've got you on and you're the perfect guy for it i want to leave someone i want to leave the listeners with something actionable so the first thing for them to look up if they were to google something straight after listening listening to this whether it's a book a course a podcast you know something like four hour work week rich dad poor dad crush it whatever it may be what is the first thing that you think if they want to live this life if they want to get into this type of thing what's the first thing they should google after listening to this first and foremost you have to be in my inner circle in my private facebook group it's absolutely free there's no cost and it's called the talent tribe you can go to bit.ly forward slash talented one that is a facebook group that i post in every single day where i share stories like my you know my cancun kidnapping scare i show people how to you know monetize social media but I also bring on other people, and just like Hayden does, uh, to serve my audience. And if you're not an entrepreneur, and if you are an employee and have an employee mindset, which is great, which you're probably more happy, you probably have more cash flow, you probably have more benefits like health insurance and all that other stuff than most entrepreneurs. There's ways for that that I share my tribe to how to get remote work jobs, how to live the digital nomad lifestyle, even if you're not an entrepreneur. So look me up. Uh, talent tribe, go to bit.ly forward slash talented one. Uh, that's my inner circle. That's where I can give you guys the most value and answer any of your questions and ultimately inspire you on my digital nomad lifestyle. Because if you follow all my social media channels at Talented Mr. Salas, you're going to see me you know, taking selfies from my island hopping, me just talking about entrepreneurship, me talking about motivation, me talking about travel, me giving travel hacks. Like one of my, on my YouTube channel, I have a $39 travel hack to go to Las Vegas. And I do a lot of speaking specifically in Las Vegas from all the conferences. And that saves me on my cash flow like crazy. I can upgrade my suites. I can, you know, gamble more. I can party more. I can have more cash flow to do more fun things and spend money on a flight that's only, you know, an hour and 25 minutes or whatever that flight is from wherever I'm at in the world. So, you know, that's where I would recommend people if they're serious about living this lifestyle and finding different and creative ways to fund the digital nomad life. 
Awesome. So we'll link up all the the inner circle and everything's at Talented Mr. Salas. Is that correct? Talented Mr. Salas, the one and only. You can't clone me. <laughs> awesome. We'll link that all up in the show notes. Is there anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Guys, I would like to leave you with this. I was born homeless. I did not have running water or electricity until I was about six years old. English is my second language. I'm a college dropout. There was nobody at the time when I started my business and made these kinds of changes in my life to afford me these opportunities that I have now motivating me to say, do this, you can do this, this is possible. I had to do it all myself. And that was really hard, but I was able to do it. Right now in 2016, entering 2017, there's never, ever, ever in the history of mankind been, been a, a method or a vessel to communicate with people that are super interested in what you're super interested in. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're super interested in travel, guess what? Get around those people that are super interested in that. And guess what? Automatically, by the law of human beings, you're going to be traveling more because and now we're getting to the bro science a little bit. As a human being, you have a tribe mentality. Your brain is hardwired for a 40-person tribe. And if all 40 people in your tribe are athletic and fit, then you want to naturally be somewhere in the middle. You don't want to be the weakest person in the tribe because you might get uh, exiled or you might get killed or you might be a target for people. You also subconsciously don't want to be the leader or in the top of that tribe because now everybody in the middle, you know, just because of human nature is going to plot to try to take your leadership and they could kill you or exile you or sell you off to an enemy or, you know, put you in a trap or whatever that may be. So, but the reason I tell you that is if you're around people who travel, you are a million times more likely to travel. And if that is your goal, be around people that are doing what you want to do. Always reach up. I'm doing great for my age and my career and my real estate business. But I hang out with people that are doing transactions in the eight and nine figures. I have no business being at those deals, at those tables. I don't qualify, but I'm there because I know if I'm there enough, I will be there because I'm going to subconsciously pick up on their mannerisms, their mindsets, their traits, and I'm going to mold myself into that person. And that's a conscious choice that I decide. So I'm asking you guys, if you want to live this, if you want to have all these awesome experiences like you've been hearing here on Hayden's podcast with um, with all the amazing guests that he's had. If you would want that for your life, if you would even want to be somebody who comes onto the podcast, you've got to put yourself around those people. Listen to this kind of uh, material every single day. Uh, lead, read the blogs, read the books, be around that mindset. And I promise you it will happen for you. Yes, man. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, man. It's been such an actionable kind of get yourself thinking type of episode. And I love that. I'm really looking forward to hearing you guys comments on this on this episode. Frank, thank you so much for coming on to the show. It's been great. Hayden, thank you so much for having me. You the real MVP. <laughs> no worries, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thank you for listening to this episode of Travel Stories Podcast. Every day I get more and more grateful for you guys, our listeners, and it really means a lot that you tune in each week. Let us know if you enjoyed this episode on TravelStoriesPodcast.com or by subscribing in iTunes. We'd love to have you over at our Facebook page. Just search Travel Stories Podcast and come and get involved. The team's always there to chat about travel, podcasts, composition, writing, or anything else at all. 
You can also drop us a line at travelstoriespodcast.com. We do answer everything. On behalf of myself and the team, thanks again for listening to the show. We truly appreciate it and would love for you to join us next week for another episode of the Travel Stories Podcast. Thank you.